gospel is very true for those of us who have chosen a life of religion, for those of us who have, please be seated, uh, for those of us who have uh, lived a, a good and faithful life, as I know all of you do, there's a price to pay. It's not easy. Sometimes you have to give up something because you're asked to do something else. And so we come to St. Benedict. We've all heard of or known some Benedictine monks. The Holy Cross, for example, comes to mind. They were in a house in Berkeley. That's where I first knew them. And uh, then in Santa Barbara. Um, Father Tom was a, a spiritual director of mine in Berkeley. And I spent a great deal of time, almost a month, down in the house in Santa Barbara. Well, those are closed, but they still exist. Back east, they have a, a mother house. And Benedictines are everywhere. After 1,500 or so years, they're still with us. What we know about Benedict of Nursia comes mostly from a biographical, biographical hagiography. Now that means it wasn't necessarily on this day he was baptized, and on that day he was. It's a, a collection of not only his life as we knew it, but also the miracles attributed to him. It's a, a, a book of, of saintly understanding of the mind of Benedict. And that is written by our own St. Gregory the Great in the second book of his dialogues. But we do know that Benedict was born about 480 in central Italy and educated in Rome. So he came from a, a comfortable, well-to-do family. But the political and moral shenanigans in Rome displeased him so much that he withdrew to live as a hermit in a cave. His spiritual maturity came by stages, just for all of us. His dedication to prayer drew many to him. People say, you can't be a solitary because look, he had a community, but he was a solitary and people came to him. And because of that, he was sought out by a great monastery, an established monastery. He knew from the beginning it wasn't a good fit, but he complied. Only a miracle saved him from being poisoned by his monks. They gave him a chalice of poison wine, the, and the, the, the pestle with the vessel and the, the poison in it, but miraculously it fell to the ground and broke to pieces. Well, he left. He resigned. They didn't, they, he expected discipline. They didn't want discipline, and they didn't like him. So back to the cave. In the cave, he was nearly poisoned by a nearby priest. Why, we don't know why. Probably because of jealousy. Here was a priest, a man who had the orders of the church, and people were going to that funny monk over there. Can't have that. And he gave him poisoned bread, but a raven came and took it off. I hope the raven didn't die. Back in, so ultimately he did found a monastery, the Great Hilltop Monastery at Mount Cassino, uh, the one that was bombed during World War II, and that was a sad thing because 
it was uh, bad intelligence. There was no need to bomb it, but it was bombed. But that certainly was not the building that he built. That was a, a much more modern building, and it has been rebuilt since. But that's where he founded his first great monastery. There he comp composed his famous rule, about 525, 530. His sister Scholastica, who was another very interesting person and a great saint, joined him as abbess of a women's monastery, and they called it a monastery, not a convent. And by the way, the new Benedictines have also gone back to that. No, we're not a convent, we're a monastery. Uh, there had been communities and rules before. Pacomius is famous. He founded a monastery based on the desert monks and, 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 um, and mothers and fathers. But the most used in Benedict's day was an anonymous rule of the master. I know it, I've read all the rules. I did a lot of work before I settled on my dissertation on the rules of religious life. Uh, the rule of the master is pretty harsh. You do what you're told and we beat you up. I mean, it really is very harsh. Benedict by this point had mellowed. There's nothing like being almost poisoned a bunch of times to kind of give you a little bit of grace of God. He was just as strong a believer in morals and discipline, but he was a kinder man. And his rule is much kinder to the formation of men under his rule and the women under, under his scholastic rule. He wished to be gentle as was Christ, to draw his little ones into the faith. And I will share something with you. It was that gentleness in Richard, brother Richard Edward, which drew me out of a very dark place, coming back to the church having been once again trounced on by the church to a place where I could grow and develop to where I am now. Balance was seen as, as grace. So the phrase ora et labora was the basis of Benedictine life. Prayer and work. Prayer as work. Work as prayer. Hours of prayer. Study. Work to maintain the self-sufficiency of the community, mostly farming, and even a full eight hours of sleep. But what is it to be a Benedictine? What is it that has lasted all this time? My rule stipulates poverty, chastity, and obedience, which has become the vows for most religious communities. That seems very different from the Benedictine rule of stability, conversion, and obedience. Maybe not so much. Poverty with contentment of what belongs to all and no more than needed. That's carrying your cross. Stability has a counterpart even in our own life in a parish. Staying put content and peace with one another. That's not always so easy, we know that. But forgiving, compassionate, understanding, seeing the best, 
It's the basis of spiritual training to learn and love, forgive, tolerate, and respect our neighbor. First in the parish and in our family and then in the world. That's a kind of chastity, isn't it? We call chastity, respect, not owning other people, not trying to control them. It has far less to do with sex than we we say, although sex is certainly one way that people have controlled other people. But that's not the way God wants us to be towards one another. So conversion or metanoia, it's turning back to God. And it's turning back to God from the everyday garden variety sins which we commit daily. I mean, we truly do, and I know it, and I'm broken, and I say things and things, things that are not totally kind, and I get angry, all that stuff. So we keep turning back to God saying, well, I, with your grace I can do better. So that's their second vow. Obedience to God first, and then to the abbot, well, we have that in common. My vows are to God, and then to my religious superior, I gave my vows to the bishop, but my religious period was Brother Richard Edward. I was still in obedience to him. Oh, God, help me for my sins. <laughs> that poor man. <laughs> um, obedience is a way to, listen, to learn to listen. And many people now in the modern world are calling the obedience of the Benedictine rule from a... Uh, slight misinterpretation of a Latin word um, that means to listen, to inwardly digest and in humility yield for the good of the body. And I've done that. And Richard has done that. And each of us has done that. How many times in our own family? You, you want to go there, I want to go here, but I want to please you because it'll make you happy, and that's more important. Not because I'm being ruled by you, but because I love you. So that has another aspect of obedience. And that humility of yielding is good for the body. Stability had another reason. There were the Gyrovegis. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, I never was. Uh, Benedict starts at the beginning and saying there are different kinds of monks. There are the um, uh, Cenobites who live in community, there are the anchorites, solitaries like me, and the, the line is a little fuzzy. I mean, nobody really lives alone, even in a cave. Someone's always poisoning you, I guess. <laughs> Gosh, I think about that. Uh, but the Agaravegis uh, were without rule or discipline. They were the hippies. Well, there's nothing wrong with hippies, but that's who they were. Um, they wandered from monastery to monastery, taking what they wanted, and then they went off to scan somewhere else. I don't like that abbot is too harsh. Let's move. Food isn't good. I hear that the food over there is better. But they also uh, were known uh, some of the bad reputation that's given to travelers. If you don't have a home, people don't trust you. And they were believed to go into people's farms and 
steal a chicken for dinner and have no regret about it, as though the world owed it to them. So the strict rule of um, stability was to keep people grounded where they were, to face their problems and resolve them in Christ, not to go running off. And in this world now, we see that in the modern world in spades, now don't we? Every new shiny thing, every new spiritual high, off they go. Our modern Garavantes. Mutual, res mutual respect in the monastery was shown by a simple bow exchanged between monks from the highest rank to the lowest as equals. And it's a reverence for the Christ in each. You still see it at the altar. The officiant and I, the presider and I bow to each other. When I give him things, he gives me things. If we were using essential God, I wish we were. You, you'd see that the thur the the, uh, the with the thurible with the incense would bow and then sense the altar would bow and then. And, and receive bows, and since the altar party would bow to the congregation, and they would bow, and he would sense them. This is an act of mutual respect. This is not subjection. I see the Christ in you, I bow. I see the Christ in you, I bow. And I receive bows. Because in Christ we're all equal. We're the same messy people we were. The forms of change and new regular rules and forms were invented. I mean, the rule that I follow is the rule of the Gregorians, and that was totally invented by in whole cloth, and occasionally gets changed as they grow in maturity as an, as, as a, an order. Rules were, were adopted to social order as the social order changed over the centuries. But the heart and soul of Benedict underlies all of them. Can we live like that? <coughs> I certainly have chosen to, and Brother Richard has, and all the brothers. Who, by the way, with God's help, I'm going to go meet uh, a weekend after next. I'm going to go fly out there for a service that I've been invited to. But a Benedictine way of life is open to all married, single, raising children, and in the wider world. You can live a Benedictine life and be a Philadelphia lawyer. You just have to be nice and gentle and godly. This is worth exploring. Grace will guide you. And a good spiritual director. Be content. Find a home in a new life. Return to God in daily confession, not to beat yourself up, but to keep on the way. Cheerfully accepting your human foibles and embracing Jesus' gift of reconciliation. And listen to one another with respect and pray and work with balance. There, 
That's a good start. Amen. Daughter gave my daughter and son-in-law gave me for Christmas, which I will pass around.